I think there's still so much shame in saying, you know, I, I actually can't afford this or, you know, I'm feeling quite hard up this month, even though there really shouldn't be. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just money and, and people have chosen different careers and, you know, we, we put different monetary value on, on various careers. But, you know, that that's really all it is. You know, it's not your success. It's not your self-worth. It's definitely not your happiness. It's just money. So I think if we can kind of remove some of the, the power that money holds over us because we, we don't want to talk about it, I think the better it is for everyone. I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Vespot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women, author of You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Rich, and host of The Wallet. Today I have a really fun and inspiring conversation with Kate Wills. Kate is a freelance travel journalist writing for The Guardian, The Times, Vogue, The Telegraph, to name a few, and author of a new book called A Trip of One's Own, Hope, Heartbreak, and Why Traveling Solo Could Change Your Life. I read the book and really enjoyed it. I mean, who's undreaming of traveling at the moment? As an avid solo traveler, Kate always found traveling alone liberating. But after her marriage ended, traveling provided her with the escapism, inspiration and comfort she needed, as well as the chance to experience a different way of life. Since we still can't travel as freely as we used to, Kate shares how we can replicate that excitement and sense of adventure from home, and the benefits that come from stepping out of our comfort zone. We discuss how changes in her lifestyle helped Kate take control of her finances after a divorce, and how by opening up to friends about our financial situation, The conversation around money has become a lot less loaded. Kate offers her best travel tips for managing and budgeting money while abroad, as well as how to save for trips and how traveling alone has helped her to be more mindful, resourceful and resilient. I'd also like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionB. PensionB has helped over 400,000 customers be pension confident. It enables savers to take control of their finances by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. With PensionB, you can manage your pension like you manage your bank account, check your real-time balance, your projected retirement income, and set up contributions and withdrawals all from the palm of your hand. Plus, you'll get human support from your very own UK-based account manager, who as PensionB calls them Beekeeper. You can sign up to PensionB today with the names of your old pension providers in just five minutes, and if you're self-employed, you can start a new pension from scratch. As always, with investments, your capital is at risk. Please note that the information made available on this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. If you have any questions, you should seek advice from an independent financial advisor. Hi, Kate. Hi, Emily. Hi. How are you? I'm very well today, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. I'm in London, you're in Spain. <laughs> yes, yeah. So happy we could have this conversation, actually. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot more sunshine that, than we do here. I know, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> But it's perfect because today we're going to talk about travel, we're going to talk about your journey. But basically, you're a journalist and you just published this amazing book, A Trip of One's Own, that also looks beautiful, to be honest. I'm just going to leave it. I mean, I've read it, of course, but I'm just going to leave it on my coffee table because it looks amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Can I ask you to, uh, to introduce yourself maybe for our auditors who, who don't know you? Sure. So I've been a journalist for about 15 years now. I write for 
The Guardian, The Evening Standard, The Times and, and many magazines. I specialise in, in writing about travel and my first book, uh, A Trip of One's Own, has just come out, as you say, which is all about solo travel, which is kind of funny because at the moment, as you say, I'm in Spain and it's my first trip with a baby. So not so solo travel anymore. Yeah, and congratulations. And, and that must be quite crazy for you to publish a book about travel and we were discussing that just before the recording but at a time where we can't actually travel uh, but mm. I'm really happy to hear you actually managed to you know go and, and be in other in another city with with a baby so is it actually quite challenging? Yeah I mean it, it definitely did feel very different let alone traveling with a baby for the first time but traveling in pandemic times Um, you know, just to reiterate, I'm I'm here for work, so that's why I was able to. But yeah, I was I was actually pretty nervous about it, even though I'm a very experienced traveler. Uh, <laughs> it, it felt quite daunting, you know, just just the sheer amount of stuff that you have to to pack when you when you are traveling with a child. But I'm happy to say that so far it's been a great experience. You know, it's actually been a lot easier than than I thought or might have imagined. So yeah, having children doesn't have to mean the end of having adventures. No, I know. We I have three <laughs> kids actually and we, we travel. I mean, we used to travel with them, but the amount of packing is just insane. And the, the preparation, I guess, is, is slightly more. Uh, but you recorded an amazing podcast episode with, with Maddie, a show on Get the Glow about traveling also with, with kids. So I'll, I'll put that in the note. But I wanted to ask you why and when did you start traveling solo? We'll, we'll talk about like your, your story, but you know, why traveling solo and why, why writing a book about it? Yeah, so I think I first started traveling solo, like a lot of people, I kind of just started doing it with my work. And I, I kind of found that I actually really loved it. And so I started booking just holidays alone as well, which back when I was doing this about 10 years ago, a lot of people were quite surprised and they'd kind of be, be kind of shocked that I didn't want to go with you know my partner or my friends yeah they kind of felt pity for me but I was saying you know no I really love it like great to not have to compromise and you know just to to go when where you want when you want and do exactly what what you please and so that's how it started but but when I got divorced when I was 34 I basically found myself single and and I was on a really different track really to so many of my friends who were kind of getting married or having small children and that you know they weren't free to to go on the kind of holidays or trips that I wanted to so solo travel really kind of came into its own for me then as well but even now that you know I'm in a new relationship and I have a baby as I've said I, I think that I'm definitely gonna always try and and solo travel you know when, when I can and when things open up again because I just think there's there's something so liberating about it that I always want it to be a part of my life yeah in your book you so you, you give a lot of anecdotes of you know travels and, and stories and like women travelers and also you give some like really important tips so today we'll talk about you know organizing and planning for trips but there's lots of funny anecdotes and one was like I think you were on a, on a press trip and you talk about arriving in a very like fancy hotels and, and feeling you know like a millionaire being in these places so it, it's sort of like escaping the day-to-day -day life I, I love this can you tell me a little bit more about maybe the, these trips and the, and the life you can have when when you travel uh, that can be maybe a, a bit different from you know life from 
home. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, as a, as a travel journalist, you kind of see the extreme end of that because, you know, it's not a particularly well-paid career choice. So, you know, in my, in my normal day-to-day life, I'm actually pretty budget conscious. But when I'm going on these trips for work, you know, the, the country or, or the hotel, you know, they want to show you the best. So, you know, I, I often would travel first class and, you know, I'd arrive in these hotels that are, you know, incredibly luxurious and, and I'd quite often feel quite out of place in them. I remember I was actually in India and I'd been doing some backpacking. I was there for, for a few months and I also kind of wanted to tag on some hotel reviews for work. And I arrived at this hotel in Delhi that was just, you know, an, another level of opulence. You know, it's this like huge palatial lobby and, you know, I, I kind of show up with a battered rucksack and, uh, you know, <laughs> looking pretty shabby having just got off an overnight train. And the porter kind of did do a bit of a double take when he sort of had to had to pick up this rucksack. But, um, yeah, that, that, you know, it's an amazing, amazing job for that in that you do get to see the, the absolute, the best of a place. But it also does make you realise that that actually the, the top end, the luxury isn't always the best way to experience a place and I do like to mix it up even when I'm going for work you know I'll I'll stay in a kind of a range of different places and take public transport not always get the hotel car and that kind of thing so yeah it's good to good to have the variety I think yeah and 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 today we'll we'll talk about you know money while you travel and, and and money in your life but I wanted to ask you by you know maybe what's what is money for you and you know what does it bring to you know to, to your life mm. I'm so happy to be doing this podcast because I actually find money so fascinating in that we're still so squeamish about talking about it you know even among our closest friends or you know our partner sometimes and you know we'll, I feel like people would would rather sort of talk about having an STI than talk about how much they earn it's, <laughs> it's true actually It's true. Most it's people prefer, yeah, to talk about like their intimate life and sex life rather than than talk about money. So I'm happy you're happy to talk about it. <laughs> it's an, it's a really um it's a fascinating thing for me, and I think it's so interesting as well our our relationship to money because it's so tied up with with so many other things. It's never just money, but but to answer your question, money for me has always just been a means to an end. It's it's kind of the the currency in which to do what makes you happy. And and that to me is is feeling wealthy actually is, you know, I feel rich when I just have that freedom to to not have to worry about money rather than, you know, an amount in your bank balance. Yeah. In your book you you write about how after, you know, you divorce you continue to do like this like solo trip, but you know, maybe that was a good way to, you know, center yourself and think about you and, and just living like this life and try to, you know, do something else. But I guess it wasn't easy uh, at, at this time when you split from your husband because you and I think I, I was reading an article that, you know, you wrote and you say you had to face your easy come, easy go attitude to money and the precarious financial situation the, the divorce uh, had, had left you in. So mm. what did you do at this time? Because I, I guess you realized, wow, I need to be in control of my finances. You know, where, where do I even start? Exactly. Yeah. I really feel like I had to kind of grow up about money because before I got divorced, I suppose, you know, being a freelance travel writer, you know, I just, I lived very hand to mouth, you know, money came in, money came out, you know, and I'd often have very busy months where I earned a huge amount. And then I'd have some months where, you know, 
nothing was coming in. So it was actually quite difficult to, to keep track. And, but, you know, being in, in, in my marriage, you know, we were together for 12 years. So, you know, I always had that other person, you know, if I'd had a, had a lean month work-wise, you know, I had that other person. And so, so suddenly find myself single and, you know, my ex-husband moved out. So I was then paying a mortgage single-handedly. And I think it was around this time that, you know, a few different things happened at once. You know, I had a had a big tax bill to pay, which is never fun when you're yeah, freelance. And, um, yeah. yeah, and then my laptop broke. And then, and then I got sick so I couldn't work. So I had this sort of like triumvirate of uh, of expensive and, and painful things happen plus getting divorced so yeah it was really a bit of a wake-up call to me to kind of take responsibility for my finances and I have to say you know I'm the kind of person that you know I'm actually terrible at numbers and maths and spreadsheets and that kind of thing and I'm you know my eyes glaze over if someone tries to talk to me about pensions and I absolutely loathe it but having having been forced to to wake up to this stuff I actually can now see that it's actually really empowering to to feel in control of your money actually and you know money itself isn't interesting but the opportunities that it brings can be so yeah it's actually it's actually been a really positive experience for me and uh, do you think you I mean knowing all of this you would have done things differently before maybe getting married I'm just thinking for you know anyone like listening to to this podcast if there's like you know practical like simple tips or maybe you know around around mindset like the, the things you would have done before on that everyone should do like you know regardless they're in a relationship or not in a relationship Yeah, totally. So I actually sat down with a financial advisor when I was going through a divorce. And that's actually something that I'd recommend to anyone who's who's going through a bit of a transition in life. You know, it could be that you're thinking about going freelance or you've inherited some money or, you know, any any or buying a house or any kind of big life change. I think it's really good a really good thing to do. And and before it happened to me, you know, I would have thought, oh, you you only need to see a financial advisor if you're you're really wealthy but actually that you know that's not the case at all and it can be really helpful just to kind of see what your options are and set up some goals and and just kind of get that that insight and I would also say it's really important to have conversations about money in your relationship I think so many of us we don't really do that we don't really talk you know openly about about money and we kind of we presume that that other people feel the same about about spending and and money as as we do and actually money can be quite it can be quite emotional and it can also be quite irrational so yeah there's a lot tied up with it so i think yeah make sure you're having those those open conversations me and my ex-husband we were on really different pages in terms of you know how we approached life and and spending habits so i think you know that that probably didn't help And yeah, div divorces, you know, it can be hugely expensive. You know, a lawyer that I spoke to said, you know, it's the biggest financial decision that you'll ever make in your life. And yeah. you know, even if you do have a very amicable split, luckily I did, it's still really difficult to carve up your assets as, as they're now called. And yeah, to, to come away with a good 
relationship and not to let money get in the way of that so yeah I would say just kind of yeah have those open conversations while you can ideally before you get married <laughs> and and you also have these uh, these conversations with with friends because you wrote in an article that you felt ashamed to admit that you couldn't keep up with your old lifestyle so I guess that change maybe your relationship with um, you know some of your friends or like you know the things you could do and did you open up about like this new lifestyle or not necessarily money issues but maybe like challenges uh, linked to your you know being divorced and, and this like very new situation yeah exactly I did and that that was really hard at first but actually it was incredible because you know my friends were either so generous and were like oh my god of course absolutely I'm going to shout you dinner or often they would realize that me opening up about this would kind of open the the door for them to say you know actually I'm really struggling with money too for whatever reason and I think there's still so much shame in saying you know I, I actually can't afford this or you know I'm feeling quite hard up this month even though there really shouldn't be because you know at the end of the day it's it's just money and and people have chosen different careers and you know we we, we put different monetary value on on various careers but you know that that's really all it is you know it's not it's not your success it's not your self-worth it's definitely not your happiness it's just money so i think if we can kind of remove some of the the power that that money holds over us because we we don't want to talk about it i think the better it is for everyone yeah and the, yeah you're right the the emotions because it can be such a like loading and heavy topic and we often don't know and and we don't need to talk about the, the big things and you know debts and salaries but we can st start you know having these very small conversations about you know how do you how you're spending money how are you budgeting money um do you feel like confident with your finances today and with your you know new family and new lifestyle do you still plan do you what are your little money habits or if you have a, a few tips uh, or things that you do Yeah, it's actually been good, actually, because having gone through my divorce and, and changing my relationship with money, I kind of feel now like I'm much more confident in talking about it and understand it a lot more. And just gone on maternity leave. That's another big change for a woman, right, in, in terms of... Especially if you're a freelancer. Yeah, exactly. And and it's, it's interesting because so many couples don't actually talk about it until it comes to it or you know there's there's maybe a bit of resentment in how you're going to organize your finances when when one of you is is on leave and looking after the baby so yeah that's been a really a good thing and i would i would say you know start having those those conversations early you know don't don't wait until till you're three months into your maternity leave and you've you've run out of money and you know you're suddenly having this conversation with your partner about what you expect because I think yeah as I said people we, we just kind of for some reason we just sort of gloss over money things or we just presume that we don't need to discuss them like we would any other big big life choices right so I think it's just to just to talk and listen just find out like you know what what your options are because then you know it's a lot less a lot less scary don't be the ostrich with your head in yeah. the sand about <laughs> money because that was me for a long time I was like blah 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 I don't want to think about money I just want to 
spend it on fun things. <laughs> but actually, uh, yeah, we do need to have these these chats. Yeah, and and this like yeah, financial security, financial safety, and and you're right about you know talking with with your partner when you when you have children and and planning for it because mm. in the end you shouldn't be the one you know being home, not earning any money, not saving any money. And that's why we have such big, uh, you know, wealth gap and, 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 and exactly. actually pension gaps and women retire extremely poor. So there's a few things you, you can do. And, and one of the things I often say is, why don't you ask your partner to top up your pension while you're not working and most women would tell me no that's crazy I don't want to have this conversation it's maybe not an easy conversation to bring but if you're you know at home you can't work maybe you're not earning money it's important to have this long-term retirement and, and, and like keep it keep saving for for your future and that's going to be helpful not only for you but for your family and your children so yeah absolutely that's such a good tip actually and yeah you know I do think we should value, you know, raising children as much as we do, you know, our other careers. And, you know, I've been shocked actually at some friends I know who've, who've said, oh, you know, my, my partner is only giving me like a small allowance, you know, when I'm on maternity leave. And, and I just think, well, you know, you should send him a bill for the childcare and see how he likes that. You yeah, know? of course. And also if you earn less than your partner, you know, it's not maybe sharing 50-50 everything, but maybe, you know, in proportion of, of your earnings. And But I think it's, yeah, until you have this conversation, it's really hard like to hear these things, but it's, yeah, starting on a... Yeah, small at home, talking about budgeting, what are going to be the expenses, how can we plan for the next holiday, and then how can we plan for you know, buying a house together and all these, all these things in life. Yeah, completely. And you, you want to come to a compromise, you know, where you, where you both think it's fair and, and you do have a, a level playing field, whatever that means to you. You know, for some couples, it's, you know, everything in a joint account and for others, it's, you know, separate and then some things joint. But I think it's really fascinating to hear how other couples negotiate it. And, and the more we can talk about it, the more we can learn and think, oh, that's a really good idea. Actually, I'm going to do that too. Yeah, because, yeah, I guess money issues can lead to, a, you know, a few disaster later down the line if if you're not in agreement with how you run things together that's another stress <laughs> yeah big time i think money because it's so loaded and and untalked about can harbor lots of you know resentment and yeah. and anger and and you know it's just and it's unnecessary Unnecessary, completely. <laughs> if if I take you back, you know, a few years ago, after your, you know, your divorce, you know, you div you get divorced like a year after getting married, and you mm. had to restart your life. Do you think travel was the answer to these challenges? Do you just wanted to, you know, escape and and leave and and see what would come next? Yeah, I mean, I certainly felt like it was the answer. I mean, I th I'd, I'd read Eat, Pray, Love, and I guess I yeah, was I love like. It. <laughs> Even that, you know, it's all about just, you know, escaping to somewhere else and, and uh, you know, it'd solve everything. And I'd I'd come back from a trip, a radiant goddess, you know, with a hot new boyfriend and a brilliant pan. <laughs> all the problems would be solved. But sadly, it doesn't always work like that. But I, I would say that travel, I do believe, is helpful. You know, it really can give you a change of perspective sometimes and, and a bit of distance from life back home. So it's it's just about, you know, working out whether whether it's, you know, escapism, which can be helpful or or just escape and, and running away from your, your yeah. problems. But yeah, I think at points in my life travel definitely um became a bit of a way to kind of mask some unhappiness and and I you know I felt like it was it was like 
an easy, easy way out. But actually, I kind of came to realize that that it wasn't. Yeah. And do you think for anyone who's, uh, who's feeling a bit stuck where, you know, where they are today, that they can start again? I mean, travel can be, you know, one way to realize these things. But do you think, is it easy to transition into sort of a new life or take a new path in your life? Mm, that's actually the great thing about traveling by yourself, I think, is that you kind of do have this ability to start over each time you go away because you're leaving behind everyone who knows you and all their you know, preconceptions about you and, and who you are, you're, you're sort of starting afresh, even if it is only for this, you know, one week holiday, you are kind of having a little mini trial run of, of, of a new and, and different kind of life. I mean, it certainly felt like that for me on my solo trips, but yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope that people reading the book realize that it's, it's never too late. You know, I think particularly in your thirties, you know, it can feel like such a pressured time, particularly if you want to have children. And, and so, you know, for me, throwing everything in my life in the air and just seeing where it landed at, at 34 was, was pretty scary, but you know, it was the best thing that I ever did. And, you know, I think it is, it is never too late. I get, I get contacted by women, you know, in their 60s and beyond saying that they're starting over and they're doing a solo trip after a divorce or a retirement or whatever it is and yeah I think you know why why not you know yeah. why not risk it all and and see what happens because you know we only get one one go at this so you might as well <laughs> <laughs> and try the trip first because that's that's maybe a good way to be in just with yourself and really try to think about yeah your life yeah, I think it is actually. I think it's a good kind of, it's like a gateway in to, to maybe changing some things back home is, is if you can go on a solo trip and, and just work out, you know, who you are and, and what you want and what it is that you enjoy. Yeah. And, and can you tell me about other life lessons that you've learned while traveling? So you, you give a lot in, you know, in, in the book, but, you know, some of the yeah, top things that you, you've learned and you came back maybe a better person or more inspired or? Mm, I, I've learned so much about myself from traveling solo. I think it really does kind of force you to take stock of yourself or, or put yourself, you know, out of your comfort zone and, and see, you know, who you really are. I mean, the, the main thing that I've, that I've learned is just been to enjoy my own company and to kind of be really mindful of my own thoughts and that inner voice that we all have. And that's something that's been great, you know, throughout the tough times that I've had, not just traveling, but, but at home as well. I've just become so much more aware of how I, how I talk to myself and, and why, you know, especially women can be quite, quite hard on ourselves. And, and yes, yeah, so just, just being conscious of that. And then I've also learned a lot of confidence and a lot of resilience. I think, you know, when things don't go to plan and you kind of realize, okay, I, I can't control X, Y, and Z, but, you know, I can make still make the best of things and be adaptable. That's been a great skill, which actually served me really well during lockdowns and, and also with becoming a, a mother as well. Those were things yes. that I <laughs> definitely drew on, uh, 
through on too. So you're talking about, you know, maybe the unexpected and understanding how you react to things happening to you. When you travel, one of the most important things, I mean, in, in my view, is that you have to make sure you have enough money to pay for your trip. You have to make sure you don't lose your credit card when, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere or actually have some cash in your pocket. How do you plan financially for, for a solo trip? Yeah, exactly. Like you say, it's so important to be on top of money when you're traveling by yourself because, you know, running out of money or having an issue with your card, it can actually be really scary because like you say, there's no, there's no safety net. And I've, I've made so many mistakes over the years with, with money when I've been traveling, you know, I've, I've got the wrong currency out at the airport or <laughs> I, I had a, had a bag stolen. I had an ATM swallow my only credit card. And that one was particularly challenging because I was in a really remote place in Central America and I had no food or water and I was just about to get onto a 12 hour bus journey. So I was wow. like, oh my God, what do I do? So yeah, I've learned some things from, from those mistakes. I think it's really important to have more than one card and don't keep them all in the same place. So, you know, pack them in different, different bags, ideally keep one on you. I always try and keep an, an emergency stash of cash because you never know when you might not be near an ATM. I, I actually once met a traveler and she, she always kept one $100 bill in her shoe at all times, which I thought was uh, was quite funny. But yeah, you know, it's, it's things like that, that that are just reassuring. And I, I also try and do, you know, some research when I'm at home. So, you know, b b before, I, before I go on a trip, I'll spend a bit of time just looking at what the price should be for things so that, you know, I don't get completely ripped off or uh, I'll download a currency converter app so that I can know the price of something instantly, not having yeah. to, you know, do the sums in my head. You know, I make sure I have a card that doesn't charge me for taking cash out abroad, kind of have a having a rough idea of what you can spend each day and then keeping a little contingency fund for emergencies or or for treats and things like that is is just a good habit to get into, especially if you're going to be traveling for a while, you know, you need to need to stay on top of, of money if you can and just not let it get in the way of enjoying your trip, you know, because travel should be about indulgence and fun and, um, and, you know, a bit of luxury too. So yeah, you need the balance. And how do you plan, you decide on, I mean, depending on, on maybe the countries, what is a, an ideal budget per day? Um, when you sort of save uh, in advance for, for your trips? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on place. You know, I think when I was living in India, I think I, I managed to get by on like less than a pound a day, which would obviously not be the same if I was like in LA, for example. So yeah, you, you need to know like what you're going to be going into. And there's lots of lots of tips that I like to do to kind of make the money go further. People often think that solo travel has to be more expensive, but because, you know, you can't split the costs of things. But actually, I think because you can be more flexible and adaptable you can actually manage to manage to save quite a bit when you're by yourself so yeah a good a good tip is that i i normally stay somewhere quite cheap when i'm traveling solo and actually there are some great hostels like a lot of people often think oh my god like i'd never stay in a hostel i'm in my 30s you know it'll just be full of backpackers but there are some amazing ones now where you know you can get a private room but there's like a, a shared kitchen or communal areas and some of them have like yoga studios and hot tubs and they're actually really quite nice so yeah i i, I normally sleep somewhere cheap and then i'll pay it like a little bit to to use 
you know, maybe like the spa or the pool or go to the restaurant at like a fancier hotel so that you get to kind of experience different types of accommodation in a place. But, but you know, you're not, not forking out for a huge room rate. I also tell people don't be afraid to get public transport. You know, that, yeah. that can often be an experience in itself in a lot of cities. Yes. <laughs> um, and and if, you're, if you're solo, you know, great, because you know, it doesn't matter if you get a little bit lost or, you know, you don't, you maybe end up somewhere different than you expected because, you know, that's all, that's all part of the experience. So, yeah, don't, don't think that solo travel has to be expensive travel because actually, you know, when you're, when you're on a budget, that's when you kind of experience a place a bit more, sometimes, you know, a bit more like the locals do actually. So it can actually be better. Yeah. And I love when you talk about your experience sometimes when you get into a, you arrive in, in a new country and so you sleep in a yeah, hostel or a place that's not too expensive, but then you would go to a fancy bar or fancy restaurant maybe for your first meal. And that feels a bit, you know, surreal when you're, when you're backpacking, but you're like, yeah, whatever, you know, tonight I'm just going to get a nice a drink um, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and see how is it. So that's, I think that's quite cool to be able to also, you know, like spend money on, on a few things. Exactly. Yeah, I think. And then you appreciate those things more, you know, like if, if you're staying somewhere really luxurious and every meal you have is this like long drawn out tasting menu, you know, it's going to get really boring. You know, you, you need to get <laughs> up a bit. So, yeah, I will always try and do that, you know, whether it's like treating myself to a massage or going for a fancy cocktail on the first night or yeah, just something, something like this. that. And finally, how can we travel when we can't actually travel? <laughs> like, especially at the moment, it's been such a long year. I think people want to go, they want to travel, but there's still a few like restrictions. So how can we travel from home? <laughs> I know I, during the lockdowns, you know, I've been missing travel so much, but I've realized that it's, it's all about finding that kind of sense of excitement and that novelty which you can actually find um without without going anywhere I know a family who they camp in their own back garden every year which <laughs> I love they were doing this before lockdown but I just think that's so nice and it's just like you know you're, you're sleeping under the stars and you know you can still use your own toilet <laughs> but you get that that feel of camping things that I did in lockdown I did a lot of cooking recipes from from places that I loved and you know some some amazing restaurants were doing like meal kits with you know all the, all these like authentic ingredients or you know chefs in Italy were doing like Instagram videos of, of how to cook recipes so food food was a big one for me for for traveling and and you know for other people it might be maybe listening to music from a place or or it might even be just exploring a part of of your home city that you've never had time to do before you know i've i grew up in london and and before lockdown i'd i'd still never been to some really famous sites and so yeah i managed to make the time to do that and and i also stayed in a few a few hotels in london which was which i think is just a great thing to do because yeah it just it feels so exciting and you really get a new a new perspective on on a place so yeah i love doing that and you can certainly get good deals at the moment because we have exactly no tourists in <laughs> exactly it's the best time honestly there's some amazing amazing hotels right now that have just got like incredible deals on so yeah now's the time that's such a good idea Uh, can I ask you three quick fire money questions? What is your best financial decision? 
Oh, I think it would be to outsource things to the experts. So whether that's, you know, getting an accountant, absolutely crucial if you're freelance or hiring someone to design my website or speaking to the financial advisor, you know, that, that there is expert help out there. And even though it can seem like, oh, that's, you know, that's quite expensive and maybe I'll just do it myself. I've always found that in the long run, it's better to, you know, save those hours for what you're good at and and let the pros do their thing. Yeah, completely agree with that. Um, The worst financial decision? Uh, I would say that was probably buying a really expensive wedding dress (laughs) for obvious reasons. Uh, Yeah, you know, now I kind of think, God, Imagine if I'd bought some Bitcoin instead. (laughs) (laughs) Things like that, I think, that we feel kind of pressured into spending a lot of money on because we feel like we should. You know, I can, wedding dress is one, but I can think of some some other examples that we just kind of go along with and actually it's not necessary. Yeah, my husband keeps on asking me, what are you going to do with your wedding dress? You should sell it. <laughs> and for a few I years, know, I'm like, right? no, no, no. But now I feel I'm, I'm ready and I'm just going to sell it and, uh, yeah. Yeah. and invest I the money. <laughs> exactly. And then someone else can enjoy it too, yeah. you know, and it's, it's good all round. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> and what are the things you spend the most money on at the moment? Oh, God. Well, it used to be travel, but, but now it's definitely the baby. <laughs> The baby industry is very clever in that I know. <laughs> literally fork out any amount of money if you think that it'll make them happier or that they'll sleep better or whatever it is. So, yeah. And, and their clothes are just cuter. So <laughs> I've been spending far too much money on my baby recently. But but other than that, I'd say travel, which I actually don't don't ever regret because there's a there's a survey that I mentioned in my book, which is a study, sorry, which found that Um, of all the things you can spend money on travel gives you the most lasting feelings of happiness so yeah I think experiences over possessions any day yeah and is there anything else you'd like to share with people listening to this episode I think yeah just just not to um not to be scared of of solo travel and to maybe kind of you know practice a little bit at home if you're thinking you'd, you'd want to do a solo trip you know take yourself out for dinner and you know take yourself out without for, your phone uh, exactly without your phone <laughs> and don't think that money's not interesting because yeah it can actually feel really empowering like I say to to feel in control of of your money especially as a woman I think and to take risks with your money too you know I keep hearing about how statistically you know women are, we're terrible at investing in things and we just have our money sitting in our our current accounts which is absolutely the worst place for it so um yeah you know it just as you know you you take risks with in in life and and get rewards i think we, we need to be a bit better at that with our money too i love it thank you so much kate so we can find you on twitter kate wills uh, on instagram kate wills writes and your new book a trip of one's own hope heartbreak and why traveling solo could change your life is literally brilliant and that's really the book we need uh, especially at this time so i'm so ready to book my next trip um but thank you so much it was was so lovely to to chat to you today you know really enjoyed our, our conversation thank you i loved it too thank you so much for having me on and i hope to see you soon yes absolutely we'd love to thank you 
Thank you so much for joining me today on The Wallet. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please do share with a friend or on social media. It also takes two minutes to leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. And this does really help. Thank you and chat to you next week.